Amen. Well, thanks be to God. Amen. Is this your favorite week of the year? Not for everybody, right? Because <laughs> some are cooking and some are eating, but it's a wonderful time of the year to be thankful for, and I trust that you are thinking of the things that you are thankful for these days that we share together and that you share with your families at home. I want to begin this morning with just a quick little riddle. What do you get when you cross a centipede with a turkey? Drumsticks for everyone. Eh, whatever, huh? It's just a little Thanksgiving humor, but, you know, when your whole family's together and they're hungry and everybody wants a drumstick, that would certainly work. Well, a group of moms got together and they composed a list of things that they were thankful for, and they wrote that they were especially thankful for a few of these things. One was this, for automatic dishwashers because they make it possible for us to get out of the kitchen before the family comes back in for their dinner snacks. You, you can get it all in there and all washed up and cleaned up before it's all ready time to come back. Does this not happen at your house? Uh, yeah, okay, I hear that. Uh, okay, how about this? For husbands who attack small repair jobs around the house because they usually make them big enough to call in the professionals. And that works out okay. We're thankful for that. I don't know. Sometimes we can get it all fixed. Uh, I fixed a flat panel TV one time. Yeah, I took a piece out, put a piece in, and it worked again. I was glad to not have to buy another one. It was wonderful. Well, uh, how about this? For children who put their things away and clean up after themselves, they're such a joy, you hate to see them go to their own parents when it's all over. Right? You sugar them up with all the sugar and go back to mom and dad. How about this? For teenagers, because they give parents an opportunity to learn a second language. We've always wanted to know a second language. and Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if they look at you and say, man, that's fat, they're not calling you fat. They're actually saying you're okay, right? I'm just, goose, is that right? Or is that over? Is that? Okay. That's so 90210. Wait, wait. That's so 66614. No, that's it. I don't know what, I don't know what zip code we're in. Sorry. How about this? Finally, we're thankful for smoke alarms because they let you know when the turkey's done. Right? And remember, if, if you're deep frying a turkey this year, don't do it on your kitchen counter. It's just not good, and it doesn't always work out. So, uh, well, each of us, we'd have a list of our own things that we could make the, to, to just express what we're thankful for at this time of the year. It's usually what we say. I don't know about you, but sometimes we'll sit around our table, and just before we ever get to eat, it's like, hey, let, let's talk about what we're thankful for. And the kids all roll their eyes like, really? The food's ready, and it's getting cold, but we kind of go around and what are we thankful for? That, that's what this time of the year brings. Thanksgiving can be challenging uh, as a holiday, though, as a time where, where families are usually going to get it. It can be very challenging for some. When we, when we give thanks for our good health, what, what does that say to people who are struggling with their health? Does that say that we are more deserving than they that because our, we're healthy or that somehow God loves us more? no. Certainly not. When, when we thank God for our nice homes and our families and for our freedom as Americans, what does it say about the good and God-loving people around the world who do not share the same blessings that we do? And I, I really have no real ready answers for such questions. And, and really, to be honest, neither does anyone else. I, I prefer, though, however, that as we give thanks this Thursday and all this week perhaps, and all the rest of the year that we do it for the right and very good reasons. 
There's a lot of reasons to be thankful for today. What are some of the things that every Christian, regardless of his or her circumstances, in every corner of the globe can be thankful for this Thanksgiving season, even though ours is specific to America, but we can be thankful all over the world for certain things. It, it kind of looks like this, and it's found in Colossians 1, 11 through 20, and you can remain seated. I just want to share the word with you this morning. Colossians 1, 11 through 20, it says this, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and the patience that you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Always, not sometimes, or just when you feel like it, or just if the circumstances warrant it, but always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. And he made things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. That means everything, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, we're grateful and thankful for your word. It is so powerful and important to us, Lord. May it increase. May you increase as we decrease, Lord. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, our God. We thank you and praise you as you speak to us through your word this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in our lesson from Paul's letter this morning to the church at Colossae, he begins by giving thanks for the members of the church according to God's glorious might for all the endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. It's so important that we give thanks to our God. And Paul gives the church at Colossae some really specific things for which we ought to be thankful. These are the things every one of us, regardless of our circumstances this morning, no matter where we find ourselves, whether we're in pain or we're, we're, we feel fine or we've got a job or we don't have a job. By the way, we took 20 turkeys out yesterday, turkey baskets to people people, and, and, and uh, you know, there's all kinds of varying needs. Some were filled with tears for the need that was represented in that little basket. And I just want to say thank you to our church for, for giving so sacrificially and for those that took it out and made a difference in the lives of those that are in great need during this time of the year. Amen. But Paul gives some specific things to the church at Colossae that we can be thankful for even today. These are the things every one of us, no matter what we're going through, no matter how serious it might be, we can be thankful for also. The first thing that we should be thankful for, regardless of our circumstances, according to St. Paul, is this. Number one, our inheritance. 
Think about it this morning. He writes in verse 12, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs only to his people. We have an inheritance that is only wrought because we have responded to the message of Christ. And it's only for those who live in the light. You see, God qualifies us to be partakers, literally to share in the inheritance of the saints, just as, as say, Israel shared in the promised land. And this inheritance, it's twofold. It is a deliverance. Remember this, it is a deliverance and a transferal. It's a deliverance and a transferal, you might say, out of Egypt into Canaan. And this inheritance is not only in the future, but it is also now, right here in the here and now, in this present time. It is a present deliverance, a sharing. It's a joy, an endurance. It is a present dwelling place beautiful Canaan land, a transferal into the kingdom of God's dear son. It's a place where the saints dwell in the light, and this saints in the light, it reveals the moral quality of the righteousness of God's children, for it belongs to the people who live in that light. Paul chose his words really carefully here. You see, an inheritance is not an award for meritorious works. It's not our payment for doing our jobs well. It's not for something that we, that we earn or that we deserve. We do not create it by our own devotion. This inheritance that we share is a, in is a gift. It's a gift that was and is dependent on someone else's efforts and that of Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we could potentially receive a, a very great and perhaps even a large inheritance, not because we are smart or energetic, but because perhaps we had grandparents who were smart and energetic. It could be for that reason. Or, or it might even be that we had a grandfather who was never caught. That, that, that would be a, a great way that we would receive an inheritance where we're not held accountable for what that grandfather did, John Maxwell quotes in his book, Today Matters, that it was Mark Twain who said he spent a large sum of money to trace his family tree and then spent twice as much trying to keep his ancestry a secret. You see, a, a tiny newborn baby can come into a large inheritance simply by accident of birth. One of the amazing consequences and the outcomes of the new birth in Christ Jesus is that we automatically, immediately, and at that moment become heirs of all that God has in store for his beloved children right then and there as soon as we believe. That is the staggering fact that many of us who have been in the church all of our lives have kind of a difficulty accepting. We tend to make it about the things that we do, not what he did. I don't know if that's normal or natural or it's just something that comes upon us that I, I got to work hard to make up for the, the wrong that I've done and you don't have to. It, receive the free gift is really all that's required. Two friends met in passing one day and the first noticed that the other one was quite despondent. So he asked him, hey, how come you look like the whole world has just caved in on you? What's the matter, man? And his sad friend said this. He said, let me tell you, three weeks ago my uncle died and he left me $10,000. Well, his friend said, I'm sorry to hear about your uncle's passing, but that's a bit of good news for you, isn't it? Well, he said, hold on, it gets better. He says, two weeks ago my great aunt died. I, I never knew her. She passed away and left me 20000 free and clear. 
his friend said, well, you can't be disappointed about your inheritance. He says, no, I'm not. But listen, last week, my grandfather went to rest, and I inherited almost $100,000. That's incredible, but why do you look so sad? The depressed man shook his head and said, well, this week, nothing. You see, our inheritance, uh, our inheritance is something to be thankful for. Always thanking the Father. It's not deserved. We come to it, into it by way of our acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. Giving thanks to God keeps all things in proper focus. All comes from him, but what shall we render unto him? All comes from him, but what, what should we render unto him? Psalm 116, 12 through 18 says this, What can I offer the Lord for all that he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I will keep my promises. Uh, the Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. Oh, Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant born into your household. You have freed me from my chains. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all the people. You see, we as followers of Jesus receive this inheritance and then we thank him. We receive it and then we thank him. It is this inheritance that is bestowed upon us the moment we become children of God. Father John Powell in his book, Unconditional Love, tells about when he was serving as a chaplain in Germany. A dear little sister, 87 years young, was assigned to caring for his room. He says that every time he left his room, even for a moment, the good sister would clean it. She'd go right in and start cleaning. She'd wax the floors, polish the furniture, and so forth. And, and on one occasion, when he left his room just for a short walk, he came back to find her on her knees, putting that, that final shine on the floor, waxing that floor. And he laughingly teased her. He said, Sister, you work too much. And that dear, devoted little sister, she straightened up, still on her knees, and looked up at him with seriousness that was almost severe. And she said firmly, Heaven isn't cheap, you know. And we would agree, no, heaven isn't cheap. It costs Jesus his life, eternal life. However, it's part of our inheritance as children of God. Christ earned it. We simply receive it. We might even think of it this way. Many of us have had the blessing and the privilege to be born, in America, born an American. It is nothing that we earned or that we deserved. We could just as easily have been born to a starving family in a third world country. You see, freedom isn't part of our inheritance as children. Uh, it, it, it is part of our inheritance as children of this great nation. Of course, the, the parallel is not exact. Most of us were born in this country. It was not something that we chose. However, we must choose to accept the inheritance that Christ bestows upon us. That is the only requirement. We must accept it. Nevertheless, it's free. And every believer can give thanks for our inheritance this morning, the inheritance that only comes because of what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. The second thing for which we can be thankful for regardless of our circumstances is number two, in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The incarnation of Jesus Christ. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. You see, in our text this morning, Paul writes, the Son is the image of the invisible God and is supreme over all creation. A little farther down, he writes, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. And who is Paul speaking of? There's no doubt he is speaking of the risen Christ. You see, without the incarnation, God became flesh and the reconciling the world unto himself. There would be no inheritance whatsoever for any of us. But Paul here, he's battling the Gnostic notion, among other things, that Christ is just not enough. That was the notion of that day. Gnosticism rejected the body and saw it as a prison for the soul. And Christianity insisted that God infuses all creation and that even the human body can be a vessel of holiness, a temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell. Paul here is saying that Jesus Christ is none other than God himself, that Christ is all in all, all in all. Gnosticism was elitist. Christianity was egalitarian. Paul states in Corinthians 3.11 that in this new life, it doesn't matter if you were Jew or Gentile or circumcised or uncircumcised or barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. One commentary writer wrote this, a savior not quite God. A savior not quite God is a bridge broken at the farther end. 1 Corinthians 15, 38 says, Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. You see, Paul says two really great things about our Lord Jesus Christ here, both of which are in answer to the Gnostics of his day and to our, our day as well. The Gnostics said that Jesus was merely only one among many other intermediaries and, and that as great as he might be, Jesus was only a partial revelation of God. Does that sound familiar to the day that we live? Sure it does. Just about anyone you run into that has not received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will give lip service to what a great man Jesus was. He's still, did you know that Jesus is still really popular in the day that we live? He is. We as the church aren't, but Jesus is still very popular. Many will give lip service to what a great man he was or even what a great teacher that he was or, or, or a prophet with great themes. But what they are not ready to say is that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we, in fact, know that he is the way, the truth, the life, and that no one cometh unto the Father except through Jesus Christ, his Son. Paul went on to use this picture word, it would, be a, it would awaken all kinds of memories in the minds of those who heard it. The, word, the, the Greek word is icon. No, not, not the camera. That's for Christmas, the, the camera. But, but, but the idea is helpful as you think of a camera. For icon, the image is its correct translation. The word icon assumes a prototype of which is not merely resembles, but from which it is drawn. It doesn't just resemble, but it's, it's drawn from its original source. It is then more than a shadow. Rather, it is a replication. 
You see, an icon or an image can be two things, according to Lightfoot. The icon, that, that image can be a representation, but a representation, if perfect enough, can become a manifestation. When Paul uses this word, he lays it down and that Jesus is the perfect manifestation of God. You see, for us to see what God is like, we must look to the image of the invisible God, and that is Jesus Christ. For he, Jesus, perfectly represents God to men and women alike in a form that we all can see, that we all can know, and that we all can understand. And for this, all of us can truly be thankful. Many people were awestruck back in the 60s and 70s her name was Diane Fossey, and she lived uh, in a home in California, but she traveled to Africa to conduct uh, an extensive study of the mountain gorilla groups in the forests of Rwanda. Uh, Diane Fossey, she left her home in California to live for 18 years among those fierce creatures, studying them very closely. Gradually, the gorillas accepted her and trusted her, but tragically, in 1985, she was murdered, still seeking to protect the gorillas among whom she had made her home. And the case has never been solved that I can find, but you see, it's much farther from the throne of God to a stable in Bethlehem than it is from California to Rwanda. Yet Christ made that journey on our behalf. The word became flesh, and of course, he too was murdered, and as a result, provided us with access to the Father. One famous hymn, it's still in our hymn book today. What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this? Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. When Robert Louis Stevenson retired from the Samoan Islands for his health, he became, uh, he, he became to the natives of that island a kind of generous friend. Stevenson, was, he was concerned that there was only a little path leading from the harbor of that island over to which his friends must walk in order to bring provisions to the interior. And with his own money and his personal efforts, Stevenson had a good road constructed for his people. In gratitude, the Samoans called it the road of a loving heart. The road of a loving heart. Uh, I know of another road of a loving heart, don't you? Crucial to everything that we believe as Christians is this truth that God so loved the world that he made that long walk to come from where he was to where we are. When it was impossible for us to reach him, he reached out to us. He came to us. There may be differences among Christians on a host of other things. We may be divided by theologies, how we baptize people, who we allow around the Lord's supper table, and even to which political party we feel most comfortable with. But one point we all can agree on, God became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you see the importance that that is, how important that is to us. There was no other way that God could have possibly revealed his nature to us. Suppose instead he had chosen one of us and taken us to be with him and then sent us back to tell the others. Do you think we would have listened? Years ago in the American magazine, Merle Crawwell told a story from Alaska. It was about an Eskimo from Greenland who was taken, who was taken on one of those American North polar expeditions 
Later, as a reward for his faithfulness, he was brought to New York City for a short visit. And he was amazed by the sights and the sounds, everything that he saw there in New York City, the, the high-rises and the cable cars, and, and, and he tried to describe them as best he could. He saw all the artificial lights and all the dazzling aspects of being in that metropolis. And after he described the wonders that he had seen, his people looked at him coldly. They did not believe him. Indeed, they gave him a new name. They named, the name was Sajlik which means the liar in their language, the liar. He kept that name with him all the rest of his days until his old name was entirely gone. Do we see that there was no other way that God could have done it than to come to us himself? It was essential that God, the God of all creation, take upon himself the flesh and the frailty of humanity. We are thankful for our inheritance I'm thankful for my inheritance. We are thankful for the incarnation that makes it possible. And finally, we are thankful for our inclusion into the family of God. Paul writes there in verses 18 through 20, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Thanks be to God. There's another story that's told about Dr. Claude Barlow. He was a missionary also in China and one of the most revered foreigners to work in that land. And a strange disease for which Dr. Barlow knew no remedy was killing people. There was no research laboratory. He knew no remedy so Dr. Barlow conducted his own research. He studied the disease. Filling a notebook with his observations, he then produced a vial of disease germs and sailed for the United States. Before he arrived in this country, however, Dr. Barlow did something quite extraordinary. He took the germs from that vial and he injected them into his own body. Then he went to John Hopkins University Hospital to be observed. He was now very sick, he allowed his old professors at John Hopkins to use him for experimentation. Fortunately, a cure was found, which a healthy Claude Barlow took back to China with him. His efforts saved countless, numerous lives. And when asked about his experience, Dr. Barlow replied, anyone would have done the same thing. I happened to be, get this, in the position of vantage and had the chance to offer my body. I doubt that just anyone would have done that, don't you? Only a person with a very special kind of love in his heart or her heart would make that kind of sacrifice. You see, Christ made that same sacrifice on our behalf. It is that very special kind of love from the heart of God that holds the world together. Without that love, we're just orphans living in a strange and a hostile universe. I want to close with, in light of these truths about Jesus, how Paul tells us that we are to live this new life in Christ. It's found further down in Colossians 3, 12 through 16. 
And it says this, since, since God chose you to be holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, he says, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and to always, always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. What an awesome way to live. Thanks be to God. Let's stand together.